Now, I want you to come away over with me into the New Testament, please. And you'll come through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you'll come to the Acts of the Apostles. I want you to come to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter... Acts chapter 16, and I want you to cast your eye down to verse 30. And brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? One final reading, please, and you can leave your Bible open there. And it's way over into the little epistle of James. Way near the end of your New Testament, you'll come to James' epistle and chapter 4. James chapter 4 and down to verse 13. James chapter 4 and verse 13. The Apostle James is saying here, Go to now ye that say today or tomorrow, We will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then it vanisheth away. I want us just to bow briefly for a moment of prayer, please. Father, we just come to your word now. We pray, Lord, for that deep, conscious sense of thy presence. We pray, Lord, that you would be pleased tonight to brood over this meeting. We give thee an invitation from all of our hearts that you will permeate this building tonight. That the very atmosphere would be charged with that awareness that God is here. We pray that your word will go forth with weight and with power. Lord, we're weak vessels, we're unprofitable servants. We pray for that fresh and filling of thy spirit. The Lord Jesus Christ would be glorified and everything that would be said would bring glory and honor to thy name. We ask it for thy sake. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being patient tonight. I'm sure every person in this meeting, no matter how old or no matter how young you are, every single one of us while we're in this meeting tonight, every one of us have got questions. Maybe there's parents here and you have questions about your family. Maybe there's people here tonight and you've got questions about the future. Maybe there's people here tonight and you've got questions about your health and it just seems to be a never-ending cycle of question after question. You know what it is to be in the company of a little child and it just seems to be everything is what? Why, where, when, who, and on and on it seems to go. But my dear men and women, I want to bring you to the word of God tonight because the scriptures are full of questions. It was Isidore Isaac who was a Nobel Prize winner many, many years ago after he was rewarded with his Nobel Prize. He was asked by a reporter in that day, he said, how is it that you became so outstanding in your field? And he said, I learned to ask. Good question. My dear men and women, tonight as you come to the scriptures and if you take time and read from Genesis to Revelation, time and time and time again, there's tremendous questions that are asked and there's tremendous answers that are given. You remember the first question that God ever asked? Whenever Adam sinned in the garden, it was there where he was naked in the presence of God and he heard the voice of God in the cool of the day and he ran from the presence of the Lord. And you tonight could be in this Thursday meeting on this Saturday night. And you tonight could be on the run from God. And you could be hiding under the fig leaves of religion. You could be hiding under the fig leaves of pleasure. And the voice and the question that came from the heart of God to Adam is the very question that will come to you tonight. Adam... Where art thou? I wonder where you are tonight along the road of life. I don't know. That was the question that God brought to Adam. Where art thou? You remember Pilate, we mentioned him last night, as he stood before and the Lord Jesus was there in his presence. 
And Pilate asked the question, What shall I then do with Jesus, which is called the Christ? And he came to a question, a, a moment of decision in his life. And the most sad, the most solemn thing about Pilate is this, that he made the wrong decision. Dear young people in the meeting tonight, let me tell you, don't make the wrong decision. And question after question, you'll remember Elijah as he stood in Mount Carmel and he looked at a nation that disobeyed and rebelled against God. Elijah stood one man with the majority and this is what he said, How long halt ye between two opinions? How long is it that you want to be a Christian one moment and you want to serve the devil the next? How long halt ye between two opinions? And there may be some person here tonight brought in by the providence of God. And that's exactly where you are. You're halting, you're faltering, and you're lingering like Sodom. Whenever Lot was down in Sodom, it says that Lot, he lingered. How long halt ye between two opinions? I want to bring you to four questions tonight. Four questions that I want to burn into your heart. And I want you to remember them. There's a question from James. There's a question from Joe. There's a question that we're going to hear tonight and he was a jailer. And the last question I'm going to close this meeting with tonight is a question from the judge. The judge of all the earth. James. That man that lived in the house where the Lord Jesus was reared in Nazareth. That man who watched the Lord Jesus in every action that he took and every word that he spoke, everything that his hands found to do, James was there and he watched the Lord Jesus Christ. And James, he asked this question, we read it tonight, in James chapter 4, he said, what is your life? Now I want you to ask you that question tonight. I want you to forget about everyone around you and behind you tonight. And I want to bring you and I want to bring you into God's courthouse. And I want to set you in the dock. And I'm going to cross-examine you tonight. And I'm going to bring all the evidence before you. Every man, woman, boy and girl. And I'm going to ask you into your eyes, Sir, Madam, what is your life? What's your life all about? My, that's a profound question. Maybe there's some here tonight and you would say, Well, my life is all about my family. Maybe there's some here tonight and you would say, well, my life's really all about making money and enjoying myself and indulging myself in the pleasures of the world. Maybe there's some young people here tonight and you would say, well, my life's really all about my ambitions and my plans and the days and years ahead. That's what I want to see happen in my life. It's not only a profound question, it's a personal question. Because God tonight will ask you as you stand in the, in the dock with no defense and no juror, he will ask you the question, what is your life? You know, in Northern Ireland, we're experts at looking at others. We're experts at seeing the faults and the flaws in the lives of others. But my dear men and women, if you're ever going to be saved, if you're ever going to be born again, if you're ever going to have your sins forgiven, you have to come personally and encounter with God alone, one at a time. You're not born a Christian. You're not made a Christian because you're born in a Christian country. You're not a Christian because you come to a church. You're not a Christian because you have a Bible. You become a Christian the day that you come into a living encounter, a relationship with Jesus Christ, and you will never, 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 never be the same again. That's what you need tonight. And here James, he asks a question, what is your life? And I want to lay this before you. God doesn't ask questions to get answers. God already knows the answer. You remember whenever you were at school, and maybe some of you just don't, it's that far back now, but you remember whenever the mass teacher used to ask you, what's two and two? She wasn't looking to learn it. She wanted to know, did you know? You remember whenever you sat down in front of your examiner, whatever it was, maybe even doing the driving test, and the questions came one after another. And my dear men and women, the reason why we were asked questions is to see, do we know? And God wants to find out, do you know where you are tonight along the road of life? You see, whenever we come to the gospel, the gospel is not just another religion. 
Whenever we come to the gospel, the gospel is not a better ideology or a better church. The message of the gospel, listen to this, is the only answer for your sin. The Lord Jesus is not a better Savior. He's not another Savior. He is the only Savior. And he's the only Savior that you need. And I'm glad I have him as my own and personal Savior. And before this meeting is out tonight, I hope you'll make him your own personal Savior. What is your life? Maybe your life tonight is a wasted life. Wasted years. Oh, how foolish. I look back to those years whenever I was out and drinking drugs and broke my mother and father's heart. I tell you, dear men and women, tonight there are wasted and squandered years. And there's maybe some of you here tonight and you're going down through your life year after year and you've wasted and squandered your days. You're wasted life. See, I want to say to you tonight, the Lord Jesus Christ, he's the all-knowing one. He's the all-seeing. You'll remember in John's Gospel, chapter 4, there was a woman there. She came at the well. She came alone. No one wanted anything to do with her. She was an outcast because of her sin. And there the Lord Jesus, leaning on the well at Syker's well, because he was weary, he entered into a conversation with her. And that woman, she started to talk about the things of God. She began to talk really religious, as it were. And the Lord Jesus turned and looked into the eyes of this woman that he had never seen before. And he said, how many husbands have you got? She says, I don't have a husband. He says, ah, has well said, you have no husband, for you've had five husbands. He knew everything that there was to know about her. And dear unsaved in the meeting tonight, you can hide from men. You can even hide from your family. But you cannot hide from God. That's an awesome thought. The Bible says that all things are open and naked before the eyes of him with whom we have to do. He beholds and watches and ponders the ways of men. Every moment is tried. Every action is weighed. He knew what she had done. Dear men and women, tonight as you listen to the message of the gospel, God knows what you have done. And most probably you know too. You'll remember he spoke of Nathaniel. Nathaniel was that young man that was under the fig tree. And the Lord Jesus came to him and there he was. Nathaniel had never set his eyes on the Lord before. And he says, from whence knowest thou me? And the Lord Jesus looked into the eyes of Nathaniel and he says, before Philip called thee, I saw thee. The all-seeing one. He not only knew where he was, he knew what he was doing. He knew the very word of God that he was reading. My dear men and women, tonight whenever you discover that all of your sin that you have ever committed can't be brushed under a carpet, can't be forgotten about, every lie, every lust, every piece of sin that you and I have ever committed, all has to be held accountable. Every single one. And that's why Moses had to stand and cry, be sure your sin will find you out. You know, whenever you come to the things of God, it's a very, very solemn thing. It's one thing dealing with men, but it's another thing to deal with God. To think in the very seat on which you sit tonight, there's coming a day, as sure as the clothes are upon your back, there's coming a day when you individually, personally, will stand before a holy God. Where there's no barristers, there's no jury, there's no defense, there's no appeal, there's no judicial review. There's a verdict that comes from the throne of God and it's a throne of purity and majesty and authority and that verdict is final. And you're closer to being there tonight than you've ever, ever, ever been before. The great white throne judgment seat where all your life is unraveled and rolled out before the Creator. Where every act of sin and disobedience and defiance against God is all unrolled and made bare before him. He knows. He not only knew what the woman at the well had done and he not only knew where Nathaniel was, 
The Bible says that he knew what the very Pharisees they thought. I wonder what you're thinking tonight. I wonder maybe you're thinking I would just love to get away home. I maybe wonder tonight are you sitting in the meeting you say it's all a load of, uh, it's all a fantasy story. My, I can't wait to get home and get out with my family and get away with my friends. I'd love to get out of this meeting tonight. Well, the one who knew the thoughts of the Pharisees knows your thoughts tonight. You see, he's not going to ask this question to find out the answer. He wants you to know the answer. What is your life? I'll tell you some things about life. Life sometimes can be marked by sadness. We've all had the experience of standing around the grave of a loved one. We've all had the experience of standing and looking into that hole in the ground and that casket is lowered down of a beloved father or mother or friend and there the sword laying across the top of the coffin. And many times our lives are marked by sadness, tears and a broken heart. Times our lives can be marked by sickness. But the Bible says this, that your life is marked by sinfulness. Every single one of us in this meeting tonight, you're all looking lovely and you're all dressed up and it's lovely to see you here tonight. But my dear men and women, past the outward show, the one who sees the heart, the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's not a just man upon the earth, one that doeth good and sinneth not. The Bible says that the scriptures have concluded that all are under sin and the whole world has become guilty before God. And every single one of us tonight, as we said last night, are contaminated and controlled and condemned by sin. And sin is not only universal, but sin is personal. There's seven men in your Bible and they discovered for the first time and this is what they said. I have sinned. The prophet Isaiah, he could say, but your sin and your iniquity have separated between you and your God. The Lord himself in Isaiah 1 and 18, he says, come now, let us reason. Together saith the Lord, though your sin Though your sin be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be like wool. I wonder, have you ever made that discovery? We're living in a day of discovery. Way back in the 1700s, they discovered electricity. What a day it was whenever Christopher Columbus stood off his boat and stood in America and he discovered that new land. What a discovery. What a discovery it was whenever Fleming discovered penicillin. But my dear men and women tonight, the greatest discovery that you need to discover tonight, above all the scientific discoveries in the world, you need to discover this, that you were born as a sinner in the sight of God and you've disobeyed him and defied him every day since that. And your sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. The Bible says, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. Capital punishment upon sin. You see, God is so holy and God is so righteous, he cannot even overlook one sin. Every sin that you and I have ever committed, no matter how small it may be, no matter how large it may be, every single one of them will be brought into judgment before the Lord Jesus Christ and they'll either be punished in hell or they'll be pardoned in the precious person of the Lord Jesus. All your sin, and I would pray tonight as I even preach, that all the weight of your sin would begin to weigh heavy upon your soul. It only takes one sin to keep a man or woman out of heaven. And think of all the foolish thoughts and all the foolish deeds and all the foolish words. My dear friends tonight, God is not interested if you're a Protestant or Catholic. He's not interested if you're black or white. He's not interested if you're poor or rich. God's interested tonight, are you saved or are you lost? And here the Bible talks about sin when it is finished, bringeth forth death. You know, the Bible talks a lot about pictures. And one of the pictures that is given in the New Testament of sin is a picture of leprosy. I don't know if you've ever seen a leper before, but whenever leprosy begins in the body of a man or woman, it always starts as a single white dot. 
Whenever leprosy first came to the shores of England, men and women thought it was one of the most beautiful little specks upon the skin. They thought this little white dot was something to be treasured and envied after. But you know, dear men and women, that little spot that was so beautiful to the eye, it began to grow and grow and grow, and soon the limbs would fall off, and soon the body would be disabled, and then the life would be taken, and death would come. My dear men and women, sin starts so small, it looks so attractive. That drink, that drugs, that immorality, it seems so tasty to the eye. But sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Death. And there, that leper, he would know something of dying. He would know what it is to be disabled because of that little, small, insignificant spot that got out of control. And you're in this meeting tonight, and the sin that started so small, it's got out of control. And it's about time that you dealt with it. You remember the story of the woman with the issue of blood? You remember that woman that had an issue for 12 years? And she was just an ordinary woman. It doesn't give her name. It doesn't give her age. It just says there was a certain woman. And I wonder, is there a certain woman here tonight? But you know, there was a certain day in the life of that certain woman when she discovered that there was something wrong. My dear men and women tonight, if you're ever going to have your sins forgiven, if you're ever going to come into a relationship with the living, exalted Savior of the world, you'll first need to discover there's something wrong. And not sin. What is your life to me? What is your life? It's not only marked by sinfulness. I'll tell you something else that the Bible talks about. The Bible says that your life, and I want you to listen to this tonight, it's marked not only by sinfulness, it's marked by shortness. Life at best is very brief. Like the falling of a leaf, like the binding of a sheaf, be in time, be in time. While the voice of Jesus calls you, be in time. If in sin you longer wait, you may find no open gate, and your cry be just too late, be in time. You'll remember what David said. David said, my life is just like a step. There is a step between me and death. I don't know how many steps you took tonight from the car to where you're sitting. But there's coming a day, I don't know whenever it may be, but there's coming a day when you will take your last step. You may have already taken it, I don't know. But David said there is but a step. You don't have to think about taking a step. Whenever you got out of your car tonight, you didn't say, I'll put one foot here, I'll put another foot there. It just came so swiftly. My dear men and women, whenever you come to die and come to the end of your life, no matter how many years God has given you, it'll just be like a little step. It's short. But the Bible not only says that life is like a step, the Bible goes on and says the life, our life is like a story that is told. You know what it is to read a story? You know what it is to sit down, you parents, and to read a story to your children at night? And the, the book is a beginning, but the book always has an end. There's always a last full stop. There's always a conclusion. And my dear men and women tonight, would to God the Lord would burn it in your heart. But God knows when your last seconds will be. God knows when the last full stop will come. God knows when your heart will pump for the last time and your lungs will breathe for the last time and you'll go over the threshold into eternity. Life is just like a step. Life is like a story that is told. Job, he could say, my life is like a shadow. You know what it is in these lovely spring evenings? Whenever the sun begins to go, the, the shadows, they lengthen, and on after a sudden it turns from day into dusk, and the shadows are gone. Wasn't it Robbie Burns who said, like a snowflake on the river, here today, but soon I'm gone forever? And my dear friends, tonight, whenever you discover that you're not here for a long time, 
That's why you need to make time to get right with God. The Bible not only says that our life is like a step, and it not only says that our life is like a story. Isaiah the prophet, he said, our lives are like little shoots of grass. The grass that comes up and the flower thereof, and the sun that comes out, and the grass withereth, and the flower thereof it falleth. Just like the glory of man. You know what it is to get up on a lovely summer's day and to see the garden and you take the lawnmower out and you pull it and you men go up and down and next thing that grass that was standing so tall, it's cut down and it's prime. Dear young person tonight in the meeting, just hold on for a second because you could be cut down in your prime. You could be cut down in your prime. Just like a story, just like a step, just like a little shoot. But then James, he says here, what is your life? And he gives the answer. He says, your life is like a steam. Whenever you see the steam rising out of the kettle, one minute it's there, and the next minute it's gone. One moment it's there, coming out of the spout, and then the next moment it's gone forever, never, never, never to return. My dear men and women, that's why the Apostle Paul said, time is short. And if you're unsaved in the meeting tonight, let me tell you that your time is swiftly running out. You'll find again in the book of Job, he said, Whenever a few years are come and gone, then shall I go the way from whence I shall not return. You're going on a journey tonight and you're never, never going to return. There's no second chances. There's no purgatory, there's no bail, there's no hell with an exit. Whenever you die, it's final. And I know that sounds very morbid tonight, but we live in a generation of men and women who think that they'll never die. I stood beside a young boy, a young friend of mine on his 21st birthday. We were out that night and a fella came over and there was a bit of an altercation. And before that night was out, Leslie was out in eternity, 21 years of age. Just like the grass cut down in his prime. There's some of you here tonight and you're older and you're maybe 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years of age. My dear men and women, your time is quickly, very, very quickly running out. Job says, in a moment they shall die and the people shall be troubled at midnight. They tell me that there's more people die between 11 o'clock at night and 3 o'clock in the morning than any other time of the day. You don't feel the pain in your chest at 2 o'clock in the morning, let me tell you. You'll not hear the heavy breathing whenever you're in bed at 12 o'clock. And in a moment they shall go down into the grave and the people shall be troubled at midnight. Oh, you say to me, Stephen, that'll never happen to me. Let me tell you, dear unsaved in the meeting, God doesn't need cancer. God doesn't need COVID. God doesn't need a car accident. The Bible says that your breath is in the very palm and the very hand of God. And before this meeting is out, he could close his hand and you could slump in the seat and you could be out into eternity. That's reality. Three people every second round the world die. And a little woman in her own assembly, I remember many, many years ago, she said she was praying in the prayer meeting and she says, Lord, for some soul this very hour, the clock will go tick, but it will not go talk. Oh dear, on save tonight in the meeting. That's why the Bible says, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. You remember the Lord Jesus told a story and the Lord Jesus never exaggerated. The Lord Jesus never told a lie. The Lord Jesus in Luke's Gospel, chapter 12, he says there was a certain rich farmer. My, he had a bumper harvest. His barns were full. He was going to lie back and take his early retirement. He was, he was said to his soul, Take your ease. But the next verse says, But God said, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Now let me ask you a question, and maybe there'll be, never be another preacher ask you this question. Are you ready to die? I was doing the doors in Kill Island about three years ago. Went up into the little traveler's camp there, and my knees were just were knocking. Just with feet. And this van pulled up beside me and there was a young man by the name of William and there was another man on the side by the name of Isaac. 
And I started to share these two men the message of the gospel and told them about their sin and I told them about the Lord Jesus and I told them about the claims of the Lord and how he called every man everywhere to repent and turn to Christ. And Willie looked at me and says, Stevie, that's a powerful story, but you don't really believe that. I know you don't. And he says, Stephen, you're not really ready to die yourself. I says, Isaac and William, I'm so glad that I'm saved. If the Lord Jesus Christ came back now or if I died, thank God I'm ready to go. And if you're saved tonight in this meeting, death is nothing to be feared. It's just a stepping stone from time into the very presence of God where there's no more sickness, no more sorrow, no more tears, no more pain, no more death. Hallelujah. Well, Willie got out of his van. Pulled a nine-millimeter revolver, pulled it out and cocked it and put it to my head. Says, Steve here, are you ready to go? I says, Isaac, I'm ready to go. He pulled the trigger. There was an empty cartridge. He'd robbed the shot. My dear, I'm here tonight in the meeting. You don't have assurance like that. You don't have blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. But that's exactly what you need tonight. And I'm not here tonight to sell you a bill of goods. But I want to offer you a man that will save you and keep you and cleanse you and deliver you. He'll give you what religion can't give. He'll give you what the world can't give. The devil has come to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But he could say, listen it, I am come that ye may have life and have it more abundantly. I got something that night, dear men and women. I never got in a bag of cocaine. I never got it in a pill. I never got it in the bottom of a bottle. I got peace with God and joy in my soul. Whether at times I don't look, uh, sometimes I don't look like I'm happy, but I'm glad tonight that I'm saved. You obviously think that yourselves. But what is your life? What is your life? It is just like a step. It's just like a, a steam. It's just like a story that is told. You'll remember the king Hezekiah. He had all of his gold. He had all of his servants. And there was a day when the prophet walks through the door. And I'm sure he hit the door a bang. And he looked the eyes, his eyes in the eyes of the king. And he said to the king, Set thine house in order for thou shalt die and not live. Thou shalt die and not live. And that man with all of his gold, you know what he did? It says that he turned his face to the wall in his bed. And he wept like a child. Set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. And I'll tell you something about that verse of Scripture. The last time I quoted that in a meeting, there was a man at the back of the hall, and that was the last time he was ever in a meeting, because shortly after that he died. It was a word from God to his soul, and it could be a word from God to your soul tonight. Set thine house in order, sir, for thou shalt die and not live. You'll remember I, when they come into the book of Hebrews, it says there it is appointed unto man once to die and after this the judgment. And you can postpone your MOT and you can rebook your dentist and you can cancel your doctor's appointment if you get one. But my dear men and women, you cannot postpone, you cannot delay, you cannot rebook your appointment with death. Whenever God calls, you go. Because the Bible says no man has power to retain his spirit in the day of his death. And God could call you tonight. He could call you tomorrow. I don't know when he's going to call. I don't know whenever death will come. But whenever death comes, you go. No matter how well you eat. No matter how good a diet you have. No matter how healthy you are. Whenever God says your time on earth is over, you leave the land of the living and you go out into eternity. But then the question Job asked is this. When a man dies, shall he live again? That's the second question. Whenever you die, is that the end? Whenever you put in the coffin and into the casket and the committal and the dust to dust and the ashes to ashes and your name is carved in the stone the day of your birth and the day of your death, is that it? Are you going to die like a bird in the sky? Are you going to die like a monkey in the tree? Are you going to die like a beast in the field? My dear men and women tonight, always remember this. And I want the Word of God to burn in your heart if you're not saved. This is what the Word of God says. It is appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. Death is not the end. The cremation is not the end. The grave is not the end. The committal is not the end. My dear men and women tonight, it's only the beginning of the next life. It's the one word that's mentioned only once in your Bible. It's the word eternity. 
And I was standing the other Saturday in Cookstown, standing doing the open air, and I began to sing to the best of my ability, Eternity. Where will you spend eternity? Oh, this question comes to you and me. Where will you spend eternity? You see, Job asked that question, and we read it tonight in Job 14 and 14, If a man die, shall he live again? Job, he went on in that same chapter, and he says, When a man dies, he wasteth away, yea, he giveth up the ghost. But where is he? And I couldn't tell you the amount of times I've stood at a graveside, and that casket has been lowered into the ground, and I've often said, Lord, I wonder where thou art. I wonder where she went. I wonder where he went. I wonder, did they get into heaven, Lord? I wonder, were they saved? Were they ready to go? I wonder, did they heed the message of the gospel? Did they listen to their parents? Did they, did they heed the invitation of Christ? Or did they die in their sin and end up in a lost eternity where the rich man is still there at this very moment whenever he was time, he was worried about money, but he wasn't worried about mercy. Whenever he was living here, he was more worried about gold than God. Whenever he was living here, he was more worried about wine. But whenever he got out into eternity, you know what he said? Oh, for a drop of water to cool my tongue. My dear men and women, tonight you're going out into eternity. And whenever God calls, you go. It'll not matter how many people pray. It'll not matter what your minister says. It'll not matter how many verses of scripture you know. Life at best is very brief. And when we stand in the open air, there's a little poem we almost quoted every Saturday in Cookstown. It says, life is short, death is sure, sin the curse, but oh, thank God, Christ is the cure. Hallelujah. My, you could be in this meeting tonight and God could begin to speak to your soul. And those sins that you'd forgotten about and all of those deeds that you overlooked, they're starting to weigh heavy upon your soul and the Spirit of God saying to you, now it's time that you got this sorted out. My dear men and women, let me quote it to you again. Life is short, death is sure, sin is the curse, but oh, Christ is the cure. And there on the cross of Calvary, the Lord Jesus Christ, my, there he became accountable for sins that I committed. All of the immorality that Stephen Riddle committed. Every lie that I told, every filthy thought that went through my mind there on the cross of Calvary, the Lord Jesus Christ, he took my place. Bearing shame and scoffing rude, listen to it, in your place condemned he stood, sealed your pardon with his blood. Hallelujah, what a saviour. You know what a substitute is. You know, whenever you watch football or whatever sport you're into, and there'll be a player will come off, but another will take his place. Dear unsaved in the meeting tonight, there was a man who took your place. And there on the cross of Calvary, the Bible says God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. Ah, the Lord Jesus Christ. What is your life? Question number one. Question number two, if a man dies, shall he live again? And the answer is yes. You'll either go to heaven or you'll either go to a lost eternity. You'll not get into heaven because you're good enough. You'll not get into heaven because you've prayed enough. You'll not get into heaven because of what church you went to or because you wear a suit. You'll not even get into heaven just because you're baptized. The reason why you'll be there and the only reason that I'll be there is because I, there's a day in my life when I put my trust in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. He took the guilty sinner's place and suffered in his stead. For me, O oh, miracle of grace, for me, my Savior bled. I need no other argument. I seek no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died. And oh, thank God he died for me. You wouldn't die for me. Not at all. There the Lord Jesus Christ died for me on the cross of Calvary. And my dear men and women, not only did he die, but on the third day he rose again. And he's a lasting, living Savior tonight. My dear men and women, I quoted it last night, wherefore he is able to save to the uttermost them that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth. Praise God. Death could not hold its prey. Jesus, my Savior, there up from the grave he arose with a mighty victor over his foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain and he lives forever with his saints to reign. 
Now, if he come back tonight, would you go? There'll be those of us that'll be caught up, and I'll go. You can take my suit if you want. You can take the car. I'll leave the keys for you. You can go back to the house, and you can cut the grass. You can even come up and read my Bible, and you can pray. But my dear men and women, whenever the Lord Jesus comes back, there's something happens, and it's, a, it's significant, and that's the door of mercy and the door of opportunity is shut forever. And that's why I'm saying to you tonight, you don't need to have a heart attack. You don't even need to have cancer, whatever it may be. My dear men and women, the Lord Jesus could come back in a moment of time in the twinkling of an eye, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. My old grandmother that's in the grave, thank God she'll come up. And we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together and meet them in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord in the air. There'll be those that'll be caught up, but there'll be some in this meeting tonight, and you'll be caught out. Boy, you will. And you made a little profession and you, you told your pastor that you're saved and you don't drink and you don't smoke and you, you, you don't do any, any harm. You don't watch any pornography. You don't lie. You don't steal. You're a decent, upright citizen of the land and as far as everybody else knows to think that you're saved. But my dear friends, tonight whenever he comes, there'll be no frauds and there'll be no fakes taken up that day. I wonder, are you ready to go? I wonder if Willie and Isaac came from the gypsy camp in Kalilin tonight and burst through the back door with a 9mm revolver and they cocked it and they put it to your head. I wonder what you'd do. You say, Willie, shoot away. I'm glad that I'm saved. I'm glad that I'm born again. I'm glad my sins are gone. And you say, oh, oh dear, help us. I haven't got saved. I'm not ready to meet the Lord yet. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. But the third question, very quickly, there's the jailer's question. And he was ready to die, I can tell you. He's ready to commit suicide. He'd, he'd come to the point in his life where life wasn't worth living. Whenever the prison doors were opened, and it was the job of a centurion, if he didn't do his job well, it was to kill himself there and there. And he saw the doors of the prison open, and he drew his sword, and he was going to plunge it into his heart and die. Life wasn't worth living, and maybe that's where you are now, just at the close of this meeting, at the end of another day. You've come to Witch End Corner, and you say, Lord, I'm not even worth living. I don't want to even want to live anymore. And there he took that dagger out and was about to plunge it into his breast and go over prematurely into, the, into eternity. And there was a cry that came, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. And then he got a light and he sprang into the inner prison and he got down and he said, Sirs, listen to it. This is the third question. What must I do to be saved? Are you saved tonight? You'll remember Jeremiah the prophet in Jeremiah 8 and 20. He said the harvest has passed, the summer has ended, but we are not saved. Dear young person in the meeting tonight, that's the very terminology that you need to use. I'm not saved. My parents are saved, but I'm not. My friends are saved, but I'm not. The harvest has passed, the summer has ended, but we are not saved. And you'll remember I was reading it this morning, whenever the Lord Jesus looked into the eyes of a scribe, he could say, Thou art not far. You're almost there, but you're not saved yet. And you've maybe been toying with the idea of getting saved, and you know the Spirit of God has been speaking to your soul, and you've put it off and said, I'll get Easter over, and I'll get the parties over, and I'll get all the birthdays out of the way, and then I'll get saved. My dear friends tonight, do it now. You're not far from the kingdom. And the Lord Jesus in John's Gospel, chapter 5, he could say, I am come that ye may have life. And he had to say in chapter 5, But ye will not come unto me. Not saved. Not far. But you'll not come. And here this man who was ready to commit suicide. And ready to go over into eternity. And he would have went to hell. He asked the question that I think you ought to ask. And he said, What must I do to be saved? He knew that he wasn't saved. He knew that he wasn't ready to go. And if you ever die in your sins, it'll be the greatest tragedy that will happen to every, any man or woman to go over into eternity unprepared to meet God and all of the consequences of your sin that you've accumulated for years and years and years. It's there that you'll bear the brunt of those sins. With no relief, no penicillin, no morphine, 
bear the brunt and the pain and the torment and the anguish of your sins forever and ever and ever and ever. My dear friends, tonight before you in that place stands a man, the Son of God, who died for you. And this is what the Apostle Paul said. He said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Put your trust in the man who died for you. Turn from your sin and say, Lord, I'm tired of it. I don't want it anymore. And you do a 180 degree turn and you say, Lord, I'm turning from the world and I'm turning to Christ and I'm putting my, my, my life into your hands and I'm trusting you and I'm believing you. And the day that you do that, you'll never be the same again. He'll save you in the ground where you stand. He'll save you in the seat where you sit. And he's a blessed Savior, my dear friends. And the people could say he does all things well and he'll save you well. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Time has beaten me tonight. And just in the simplicity of the gospel, put your trust in the man that not only died for the world, but that you would see that there he died for you. And say, Lord, I don't understand it all. I don't understand how God on the cross could die for me, but I'm going to put my trust in you tonight. I'm tired of my sin. I want to have my soul saved. Lord, will you come into my heart? Yeah, you'll not see an angel. You'll not even hear a bang, but you'll know something of the peace of God in your soul. Many years ago, there was an old cargo ship that was making its way down from Toronto down into Detroit. And while the cargo was being unloaded, there was an old drunken sailor he was coming off the gangway and he was singing. And he made his way down through the streets of Detroit and he came to what was then known as the Great White Opera House in Detroit. It was, it was then an art gallery. And there was a young girl sitting in the ticket booth and she was selling tickets and this drunken man, he came up and he looked into the, through the window at this young woman and he said, is Jesus Christ in that art gallery? Is Jesus Christ in there? It's Jesus Christ in that art gallery. And he went on and on and on. And she got frustrated and she said, you need to pay to get And he says, I don't have any money. I've spent it all on drink. I've nothing left. She handed a little, a little catalogue through the window and she says, come with me. And she opened the side door and took him into the art gallery. Massive painting. Big sculpture. And he was looking down through the catalogue and it was there. He saw the picture that was advertised, the picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said to the young girl, he said, that's what I want to see. My mother told me that in this art gallery, there's a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's who I want to see. She took him down to the art gallery and there he came and he stood before this big picture and it was Pilate there in the throne and the Pharisees in their robes and the Lord Jesus just before he was crucified with thorns on his head and his visage so marred more than any man. And that old drunken sailor, he said to the young girl, he says, do you mind if you'd leave me for a moment? And he stood. Stood and he looked at the man. And maybe half an hour, an hour went past, and the woman in the ticket booth never saw the drunken sailor, and she says, I better go and check on him. And she went down, and she went down the, the corridors, and she came past the sculptures and past all the other paintings. And my dear friend, if you're ever going to get saved, you're going to have to get past everything else. And she came, and she turned the corner, and there that drunken sailor that was swaying and singing and cursing, he had the old catalogue fired out of the way and he had his old cap screwed into a ball and he was down on his knees and the tears were coming out of his eyes. And she went over to him and she says, Sir, what did that painting do to you? What did that painting ever do for you? She, he said, Dear, let me tell you, it's not what the painting did. It's what that man did. That man was the man that my mother used to tell me about. That was the man. That's, a, that's the man that died for me. That's the man that died for my son. He got up off his knees and he said to that young girl that night, he says, let me tell you, dear, I came in through that door as a sinner on my way to hell. I'm going to go out of it tonight as a saint on my way to heaven. My dear men and women, it's not enough to look at this man. It's not enough to sing about this man. It's not enough to know about this man. You need to put your trust in this man. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Believe now. I'm on my last question. There's the question that James asked. There's the question that Job asked. There's the question that, 
that even the jailer asked. But this is the question that the judge is going to ask. Because if you die without Christ and die without your sins forgiven and ever die without being born again and you stand before the great white throne judgment seat, we read it tonight in Isaiah chapter 5 and God asks the question, what could have been done more? My dear friends, God could do nothing more. There's nothing more he could do. He gave the best that he had. He gave his sinless, spotless son over to a world of sin. And there on the cross of Calvary, he crushed and bruised his own soul. Son, and there he poured out his soul as an offering for your sin and finished the work and satisfied the wrath of God. God has nothing more he can do. And if you bypass the cross and disown and reject the Savior, you have signed your own death warrant to the flames of a lost sinner's hell. What more could he do? What more could I have done than what I have already? What more would you want God to do? Why is it tonight that you're going to go out of the meeting? And you say, oh, good singing and nice people. You preach not too bad, but not tonight. What more do you want him to do? What more do you want him to do than what he's done on the cross? What more would you want him to do is there he could say, my tongue cleaveth to the roof of my jaws. What more do you want him to do when the waves and billows of God's wrath and judgment that was intended for you was laid on him? Are you going to just hold on to your Presbyterian church, your good works, your Catholicism and your baptism and your righteous deeds and your good works and die and go to a lost eternity and then stand before the great white throne judgment seat and discover that you played the fool with God and hear the question, dear madam, what could I have done more? Be in time. Be in time. While the voice of Jesus calls you, be in time. If in sin you longer wait, you may find no open gate. And your cry be just too late. Be in time. Come from darkness into light. Come let Jesus make you right. Oh, come and start for heaven tonight. Be in time. We're going to stand to our feet as we close. And our dear brothers are going to help us sing tonight. It's going to come up on the overhead. That very hymn tonight. And they've taken time to type it out for us. And I want you to stand to your feet. And I want you to really sing it tonight. I want you to think of the words. And if you can't sing this hymn tonight, don't sing it. Don't sing it tonight. Don't play the fool with God. You say, Lord, I'm going to be in time tonight. I want you to save me now, Lord. Will you do it now? I tell you, dear friends, if you turn from your sin and turn to Christ, he'll do it now. He's ready to save. But you need to come. You need to come. Come as you are. I want you to stand to your feet and the words will come up on the wall.